From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for April 1st, 2009. An unofficial and unbiased look at all things Disney from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner. Joined, as always, by my good friends, Kathy Whirling, Teresa Eccles, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Walter Eccles is back in the peanut gallery. In this week's show, Kevin Close has his re-review of the Coral Reef Restaurant in Epcot. And if you've been in the parks the past few weeks, you know that crowds have become a real issue lately. So the team is going to discuss some tips for dealing with crowds in the theme parks. All that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this week's edition of the Diz Unplugged. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. We have a few things to discuss in housekeeping. Uh, first, uh, an update on our Give Kids the World uh, fundraiser. We are ever so close. Ever, ever so close. In fact, I think by the end of this week, we might be over the finish line. Really? If everybody, if everybody that has ordered pays. I just want to say that um, once we reach 20,000 in orders, I'm going to turn off the order page because we've got a couple of donations. I'm going to talk about one when you're done. I know which one you're talking about. I was really thrilled with that. We've got the Muddy Buddies who raised over $1,000, and we've got some other stuff in the works. So we're going to be well over that $20,000 mark, and I don't want to promise more shirts than we have. So once we see 20,000 in orders, we're going to turn that order form off, people. So... Get your orders in now. Well, as of right now, we have $18,846 ordered, $15,768 has been collected and sent to Give Kids the World, which means we're waiting on about $3,000 worth of payments. Uh, We did put the shirt up on eBay on Saturday, and I got to be honest, I am blown away. As of this morning, $1,076 is the high bid. Uh, for the T-shirt and dinner with the team. And um, I, honest to God, never thought in a million years this was going to go north of $1,000. I expect it to go higher. Um, uh, uh, well, you know what? It's, that's great. I mean, that, it's just amazing. I'm really and truly speechless. I, when I woke up on Saturday afternoon uh, <laughs> and I saw the email that had been put up, and it started at ninety nine cents, and within, that lasted a grand total of about six seconds. Yeah, within a few, within a, within an hour, it was over six hundred dollars, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" Somebody posted on Facebook. I didn't realize it did, that this had so many high rollers. <laughs> yeah, not, neither did I. I share your I share your amazement, but uh, it's just it, I, I got to be honest. It really, I, I mean, we we already knew this, but. Uh, this whole Give Kids the World uh, effort that we started a few months ago has really brought out the very best in our listeners. So many people have stepped up to do creative things to help support this. They wanted to do their part. And between the incredibly generous donation of one of our listeners to match all donations up to $20,000 uh, to some of the... Um, Events that have been planned. John just talked about the Muddy Buddy event. 
that a few of our listeners have put together that has now raised over $1,000 for Give Kids the World. And, John, you have an email from one of our listeners who did something really, uh, I thought, that was very special. I do. Um, before I read this, I want to make sure everybody knows a link to the shirt on eBay is in the show notes page. So for those who don't read the boards and aren't, haven't, aren't aware that the shirt is up, they can go and find the post and the link to the shirt itself. I also want to say one thing about that before you change the subject. All, 100% of whatever you pay is going to go to Give Kids the World. If you use PayPal, the PayPal fees will be paid by Dreams Unlimited Travel. Correct. Shipping is paid by Dreams Unlimited Travel. None of your donation will go to administrative fees. 100% of what you bid will go to Give Kids the World. That's correct. That's correct. With any of these, give, any of the Give Kids the World fundraisers that, we've, that we're doing here, uh, it was very important to me that, because one of the things that's always bothered me about some charities is they'll raise a lot of money, but then 75% of it goes to pay for administrative fees. And the actual charity only gets 25% or something ridiculous like that. So... It was very important to me that 100% of everything donated goes to Give Kids the World. Any costs involved with doing this, from the shirts to the postage, uh, any of that stuff uh, is all being paid for by Dreams Unlimited Travel. It's, that's Dreams Unlimited's donation uh, to this to this effort. When we factor that in, we've donated a lot more than $20,000 right now. You know, We're doing our part, you're doing your part, and as a result, we've raised a lot of money for an incredibly worthwhile organization that does truly, truly does God's work, uh, if you ask me, uh, in terms of, of what they do with these kids and what they make possible for these kids. So um, go ahead, John, with the, uh, with the email that you were going to read. This is from Perry, and he's Shasta on our boards. And let me see if I can get a timeline here. Back in February, uh, Perry wrote to me and said, he is going to participate in a bike run, and he wanted to know if he can make this into a way to raise money for Give Kids the World to support our, support our cause, and it, would it be okay if we gave shirts out for every $25 he was able to raise from individual donors? And they have finished their run. They've finished the, the bike ride has completed, and I just want to read the email that he sent. This was sent to us uh, actually yesterday. Everyone has a cause these days. Some look for unity, some for separation. Some achieve both in the same day. Saturday, March 28th, a diverse group of folks met at 6.30 a.m. in the rain with their causes firmly in mind. At 7.30 a.m., the Mississippi Highway Patrol officers led the way. Everyone united through the wet township streets, baffling residents as to what kind of cause would lead folks riding bicycles on a dark and stormy Saturday morning, with red, white, and blue lights flashing everywhere. The weather turned cold and windy, then sunny, and was great riding weather. Yes, we got lucky with the weather, and yes, we were fortunate that there were no accidents along the way. Our causes were mixed of celebration, passion, competition, and optimism. My personal cause, to give a moment of joy to a child and their family who might need it so terribly. At 5.36 p.m., I finished the 115-mile course, having, 115 miles. having raised $1,000 for Give wow. Kids the World. Isn't that great? Yeah. This is certainly a cause for celebration. 
And then he goes on to say he's gathering the pledges and he's going to send me a list of all the shirts when he's ready to do it. But I thought that was fantastic. I, I, real Perry, that really awesome. and truly, that is, you know, when I, when I talk about, you know, it's, this whole thing has brought out the best in so many of our listeners. That, that is just a classic, mm-hmm. classic example. He rode a bike for 115 miles. God. I can't get John to drive 115 <laughs> miles. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's 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 incredible. 115 miles on a bike. And I mean, it was like 12 hours. I don't even like to do something I like for 12 hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you owe Rita Rudner. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Congratulations on completing that, Perry. And thank you. Thank you so sincerely for uh, your efforts to raise that money. $1,000 for Give Kids the World. Fantastic. That's great. Fantastic. So also want to make sure that while we're talking about generosity of spirit uh, and supporting uh, very worthwhile causes, remind everybody about Deb Wills and her Avon Breast Cancer Walk, which is coming up the beginning of May. And I have not taken a look at the tally recently. Um, I know she's, you know, she's doing well with it. We're, We're trying to promote it here and on the boards. She's promoting it in a number of other places as well. Uh, any support you can give. Any support at all that you can offer to Deb in this effort, we have a link to her uh, donations page on our show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. Of course, Deb Wills is the uh, founder and webmaster of allears.net, another large uh, Disney fan site. And uh, Deb really, uh, you know, she does this every year. She gives a lot of herself and her t- of her time and of her efforts and uses her community on her site uh, to really promote this very, very, very worthwhile cause. She's at um, $36,115. Wow. She's gone up like 7000 since wow. the last time I looked. Her goal is 50000 so she's 72%. She's there. She's getting there. She's getting there. So um, those of you that may not have bought a shirt because you didn't feel like it, or if you did buy a shirt and have some money left over, um, Please, please, please support Deb. She's a great lady. Um, I know her. We've, uh, we're friends. We've talked many times. I can tell you unequivocally that Deb is the genuine article. She's such a great woman. She puts so much effort uh, into things like this. It speaks volumes about who she is as a person, uh, the way she conducts herself both on her site and off. Uh, this is a person really worthy of support and really worthy of uh, reaching this goal. Uh, this is a battle that she herself has has beaten. She had breast cancer. She's been uh, free for many years now. And this is what she has dedicated her time and her efforts to. And I think that uh, uh, not only deserves our respect, it deserves our support. So, again, I understand that there are some people that just simply don't have the money that would love to do this. You guys are off the hook. Nobody's trying to make you feel bad. But those that do have the money that can offer this support. It's a link to a website, enter in some information, and you're helping a really good cause. It takes five minutes of your time, $15, $25, $50. How many cups of coffee is that? Um, whatever you can spare, whatever you can donate, we really encourage you to please help Deb out, and uh, let's get her. Let's see. Let's do our part to help her get over that fifty thousand uh, dollar goal she set for herself. So, 
All right. One other thing before um, that I have for housekeeping. I know some of the other guys have uh, some housekeepings to throw in here. Uh, we will not be doing a email show this week uh, due to some scheduling conflicts and some other issues. We're only able to do the discussion show this week. But next week, we are going to be doing a call-in show. We haven't done a call-in show in a while. So next week, in place of an email show, we're going to be doing a call-in show. The phone number, for those that don't know it, one eight six six four 4 And don't ask me what the numbers are. I don't know. Um, 866-4DIZLIVE is the phone number. We're going to be taking phone calls starting at 3 p.m. That's next Monday, April 6th, from 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So probably about 4, 4.30. Until we get tired of you. Until we get fed <laughs> up with talking to you. Um, if, the number, if, the numbers are, if the lines are busy, just keep trying. Um, the lines usually just go crazy as soon as we start taking calls. And uh, just so you know that when you call in, uh, you are, if, if, it, if, it, if, your call is, if your call gets through, it'll ring and then automatically answer, and you'll just immediately be put on hold. And you'll actually be hearing us as we're recording the show. So that's how you'll know you got through. And uh, just some people get confused with that. They hear us talking and they're like, hello, hello. hello. <laughs> and we and can't if hear you. ever want to hear the bloopers real, that's your chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you ever want to hear what it sounds like uh, before we edit, <laughs> we always have to make sure to check ourselves yeah. when we know people are on hold. So, all right, that's it for me. Who else has housekeeping? I have one. Kevin? I promised the folks in chat last Wednesday night that I would read my hate mail. Oh, that's right. You got a piece of hate mail. I got some hate mail. The show's only an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I had some some email from Carlos Moore. And Carlos writes, I have read the reviews by Kevin Close. His responses are that of a narrow-minded, insecure individual with a financially broke mentality. I love that line. Guess what, KK? When you go to Disney, expect to send, spend some cash. That's just the way it is. My encounters, Wow, we didn't know that. Really? <laughs> I go for free. My encounters with the numerous restaurants, i.e. Coral Reef, Wolfgang Puck, La Cellier, just to name a few, which you reviewed, are totally opposite. Although there's always room for improvement, I have never received the service you complain about, nor have I been dissatisfied with the food I feast upon. If you, KK, don't like it or just can't afford it, go to Six Flags or King's Dominion or even some top-notch fast food joint like Mickey D's. These look more in your range of price and intellect. All I have to say to Carlos is, Carlos, it sounds like you're trying to overcompensate for, uh, or it sounds like to me that you have a big vocabulary, but a little dictionary. (laughs) All right. I have to remember that one. I have to thank Will and Grace. That was from them. (laughs) But my real response to Carlos is, Carlos, this is an opinion. You're welcome to yours. That's like arguing over whether the color blue is pretty. But I do love the fact that he went right on the attack. So, and he called you by your skirt name, KK. I that's know. Not his skirt name. You that? That's K-K. like your RuPaul name. K-K. No, that's not it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not saying it on the air. <laughs> Actually, Kevin Gilburn, the gentleman who talked about the German family and their dangly bits, has called me Kitty since the day he met me. 
<laughs> so, I have no idea why. Kevin's skirt name is Miss Kitty. Miss Kitty. Um, but, um, I love how he says you can't afford it. Uh, doofus, I'm paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting it for free. And as I've explained uh, more times, I, I, it makes me want to just gag when I say it again. These are my opinions. It's really hard to you know tell you your opinion is wrong. Yeah. These are not facts. Well, you have to understand that there is, you know, we've known this since we started this show. There is a contingency of people out there that cannot, for whatever psychologically challenged reason they have, they uh, they just can't handle hearing anything negative about Disney. Disney must be perfect. And if Disney isn't perfect, somehow this rocks their world. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't understand it. I was never like that. But I've said it all along. You're on the you're really you've come to the wrong place. You're listening to the wrong show. You're on the wrong website. You're on the wrong discussion boards. Uh, this site, from the day it was started, um, has always been about telling it like it is. People pay a lot of money to come to Disney World, and especially in this economy, especially in this economy, those of us that run sites like this, I feel have an obligation to tell what we think it's simply our opinion you can take it for whatever it's worth your experiences may vary uh, but we are going to tell you what our opinion is and we're going to be honest about it because you deserve our honesty if you want an advertisement for disney go to disney.com they no one does it better than them in terms of selling pixie dust and making everything look fabulous nobody on the internet does a better job at that than Disney.com, and if that's what you're looking for, that's where you should go. If, on the other hand, you want real people giving you real advice and giving you real opinions without uh, their business interests or their financial interests being a, a factor in what they talk about, uh, because, you know, John and I own Dreams Unlimited Travel. Technically speaking, if anybody should be blowing pixie dust about Disney, it should be us. Uh, some of the things we say and talk about on this show go absolutely opposite our business interests, uh, but that's we we're of the we're of the belief that the truth sells. Someone on the boards actually posted. It, I don't understand why they're trying to sell cruises. They're talking so badly about them. Apparently, on uh, on our cruise primer, everyone gave their opinion of the food and the entertainment and the shore excursions or the ports of call, and. As we do, we all had differing opinions, and some of them were negative. And somebody actually posted saying, why would they say negative things if they're trying to sell it? It comes natural to us. It's That's what it's about. When we first started doing this show, <clears throat> excuse me, when you first talked about us doing it instead of the hired help doing it, we, I, I, we all agreed that the only way to do it was to be ourselves and tell the truth. What we, yeah, what our, what our experience and opinions are. Right. That, you know, we're not here to do shtick. Um, Although we're not opposed to it, either. we're not opposed to it, but it's not our it, it's not our it's not our purpose here. Uh, you know, it's uh, and I I have always believed that uh, I wouldn't do this if I didn't think the Disney product overall was a great product. If I didn't think that what Disney did wasn't great in many cases, and when Disney does well, we say they do well, and when they don't do well, we say that too. Because we're not telling people don't come to Disney World. We're telling people, you know what? Avoid this restaurant or avoid this or don't do this or go here or don't go there. Um, we're trying to help people get more out of their vacation. We love Disney. 
It may come across sometimes to some people as though we don't, but we do. We couldn't do this if we didn't. Also, we're telling people, I'm telling people when I'm my restaurant reviews, my opinion of an experience. However, I suggest every time someone questions me that you go and make your own opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. You might have an entirely different opinion. You might agree. It's okay. It's your opinion. But that's all it is. Right. Just as mine is an opinion. Exactly. Carlos. KK. <laughs> so, you know, it's, that's, that's what the show is. That's what the show is. It's what it's always been. And if I have anything to say about it, it's what it always will be. And we don't, uh, we don't accept pressure from uh, any of the places we do business with. Uh, you know, any place that we do business with, any of the hotels or advertisers on the site, are told from the beginning that, the, especially on the boards, people may have a problem with you. And we're not going to step in. And we're not going to squelch that. You have to be able to handle those complaints. You have to be able to handle those issues we're not going to do anything at all just we'll give you a heads up that there's something on the board you need to pay attention to but that's as far as we go so this isn't new this isn't new policy this is i've been doing this for 12 years now so anybody surprised by that hasn't been paying attention hasn't been listening and i'm sorry but i'll guarantee you one thing will never change and that's it we will never change how we do that it's worked well for us. And I'm keeping my financially broke mentality. Yeah, of course. Although I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have a housekeeping. I know a lot of people are missing Julie on the podcast, and she is coming back next week. So, and she'll, be ha- she'll have a star- uh, store tour also. Oh, cool. Yeah. Of what? Babies are us? <laughs> yeah, right. Is Ferris coming too? Yeah, he, he will be coming. So, I think, so the people... That call in might hear a crying baby in the background. Cool. Oh, get him a little headset and a little <laughs> microphone. Oh, no. No. All right. Any other housekeeping? I have That's one. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be cute. You like? Never mind. Okay. Like one of them babies in a flower pot. Oh, now those are creepy. <laughs> like little old people with the made out of a piece of like pantyhose. They dress them up as lettuce. Oh. What do you got, Teresa? Um, I wanted to thank Tracy. Um, I spoke to her on the phone this morning, and she reassured me. Some uh, I had some cruise questions brought up about the cruise primer that y'all did. You have more cruise questions? I did. I just wanted reassurance from someone else. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't believe us? Guess not. Well, she had. She said something is different than you had said that um, you could put a spending limit on the little keys to the kingdom card. She said they no longer do that. Oh, okay. So, Grace will either not get a card or... Well, she'll I get a card. You just won't give a charging card. I just won't let her get a charging card. It's, it's a key to the world card. Key to the world card. Okay. And she also assured me that um, my children will not be eaten by sea creatures when we're on a little island with the little stingray thing. So, thank you, Tracy. Okay. <laughs> she has control over that? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> she said she'd cruised like 10 million times. and you know, Huh. Once I cover them in chum. Who is she, the Little Mermaid? I don't know. So just to to recap, we had mentioned on the Cruise Primer that each person could have a spending limit on their own cards. And Tracy's saying that's no longer the case. Correct. So if you don't want your children to spend money, what you could tell them is no charging privileges at all on that card. And that's what you can do is you can either turn the card off or have spending privileges. But they're going to need the card for identification, getting on and off the ship, and of course to get into the staterooms. Right. Okay, so got since it. we're talking about the cruise, did we also mention that there are new menus on the Wonder? 
for anybody that's been looking at the old menus? No, I don't think we I don't did. Think we mentioned that because if a lot of people are doing planning, there's did a, Tracy say that? <laughs> <laughs> there is an FAQ on the, the cruise board, but there's another thread in there all about the, the menus, and some people have been. Um, posting photos of the new menus so if you're really into your cruise planning and you've got your menus set a certain way they've changed them okay tracy's a talker i mm-hmm. didn't know that till three hours this morning <laughs> <laughs> anything else in housekeeping all right then we're going to move on to the news our first news story this week hundreds of disney world cast members have been laid off in the past few weeks while disney had announced previously that disney offered buyouts to 600 cast members between both Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Most of those appear to be targeted toward upper management. Not so this past week. The current round of layoffs seem to be affecting frontline managers in the operations and theme parks division. According to some reports, there are anywhere from 400 to 800 layoffs being announced, with those affected being given one-week severance for each year of service. So far, these layoffs are not affecting union members. And I think the reason for that is the last thing Disney needs right now is a strike. Mm-hmm. And if they start going after union members... Oh, they'll breach a contract. It would be it would be difficult for them. We have some, uh, some friends who are uh, Disney cast members, and we've been getting the information. Um, you mentioned one week for every year. That's up to six weeks. For the first 30 days, is it? 60. For the first 60 days, Disney has the right to recall you back to work. And if you refuse, you lose the benefits you lose that severance. So it's all very kind of sleazy, if you ask me. I disagree. And this one I have to disagree. I think that uh, for the number of companies right now that are simply cutting people loose with nothing at all, I think for Disney to offer this severance, they're also also keeping their health insurance Mm -hmm. through for, I think, two months. Yes. Um, A lot of companies aren't doing anything close to this. Disney could... Be like any other company and say, to heck with you, you know, we don't need you, goodbye. We're going to talk about crowd levels in a little while. They are laying off back office employees, four, what is it, six to eight hundred, four to eight hundred, at Roughly. a time when the crowd levels are out of control. This is, it's, it just doesn't feel right to me. Well, I, I mean, it's, I hate seeing anybody get laid off. I'm, I'm not suggesting that I think it's a good thing, but... It's a, an economic reality, uh, and a lot of co- you know Disney's not. You know, it would be one thing if Disney was the only company doing this. They're not. Everybody's doing this right now, and I think by at least offering them something, it's you know giving them at least something to go on, you know, to to, to live on while they try and find alternate alternate. And, work. and they're being escorted out. Like they're mm, criminals. It's like I'm not going to do what every, everybody thinks I'm going to do. No, that's Just done in every single major <laughs> corporation in America. Does that? That is not just Disney. That was done at UP- when I when I voluntarily left UPS to move down here. I was escorted from the building once on my last day. Okay, that is done. That is common practice in any major company when you are laid off. You are escorted from the building. That's so you don't steal the stapler. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's <laughs> your box. It is. It is just how it's done. So, you know, again, I, just um, one, one more point. Go ahead. And I don't, I'm not trying to argue this with you. So I'm just telling you what we hear from cast members: the people who are being let go are the people with seniority, twenty, twenty-five years, 
and that's to, that's because they're the higher salaried people. Yep. They're the people with the most benefits, and it's cheaper for the company now to turn around and hire people at, at a lower rate and offer them less benefits. The so, hard part to deal with this is the people who have that seniority are of an age where they're a lot. I'm of the age where you're a lot harder to employ. Yeah. Or fa- they have families they have to support right. and things like that. It's just, I think it's tough when you know the people. Yeah, it is. It's really it tough is, when you know the and, people. You know, espe- well, and especially if there's, a, you know, if they're targeting people that are uh, long-time, long-time employees who cost them more, if that's the motivation, then yeah, then that's kind of sleazy. Well, that's what we're hearing. The, the, um, as a matter of fact, as we said, we have pe- we know people who work for Disney who feel secure in the fact that they're in the middle of the pack. They're not new and they're not old. Right. They're sort of in the middle and they're safe. That's the feeling they're getting. I also understand that there was um, a special meeting called the other day that people were asked to come to and people were afraid to go to it, that this was going to be some sort of mass Firing, yeah. So, which it wasn't. It wasn't, but that's the that's the atmosphere at the moment. Well, you know, look, it's, and again, you know, I'm the first one to, you know, go come swinging after Disney if they do something. Um, in this instance, I have to say two things. One, I understand the need for these layoffs. Uh, it's it's not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure Disney, most people at Disney wish they didn't have to do it. Um, sucks for anybody to get laid off, but it's the times we live in. Disney didn't create the the economy we're in, um, but they have to respond to it. They're a business. They have a responsibility to their shareholders. They have a responsibility to their guests. They have a business to run, and right now this is what they feel they have to do. I'm not privy to the details of their finances to be able to say one way or the other whether or not they need to or don't. I do know that while the parks are full – they're full of people that are paying 30% less for that vacation than they were paying last year. So it's that's got to be kept in mind, too, because everybody says, looks at the crowds in the park, recession, what recession? Yeah, there's a lot of people in the parks, but those people are there getting seven nights for the price of four. Last year, they were getting seven nights for the price of seven. So it's, you know, it's a, we're seeing discounts in downtown Disney, for God's sakes. We've never seen that before. So obviously Disney, there is some real, you know, you know, there's a, there's a real economic issue going on. Very interested to see what the report is going to be for Disney's second quarter, which runs from January to March. Very, very interested to see uh, how their business fared. I know that one of the major uh, financial firms just downgraded their stock from buy to neutral. Because they're saying they're expecting the theme parks to suffer by about 10% over the next year. So they're doing what they have to do in the economic realities they're faced with. I, I understand that. Now, if they're targeting people based on seniority and not based on redundancy, which is what they're saying, we're trying to remove redundant positions and streamline our operations. If what they're doing is just aiming for people who have been there 20 years because they cost them more, then, yeah, shame on them for that. But generally speaking, over the layoffs, I really can't say that. It's an awful thing. Believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying layoffs are good. But it's a reality. It's a reality right now. And all we can hope for is that the economy gets better and these people get their jobs, their jobs back, or most of them get their jobs back. That's what I'm hoping for. And I hope that these people that are getting laid off can find something. But right now in this town, 
Good jobs are hard to find. Not a lot of people hiring. So, all right, our next news story this week, this just has me so excited. So excited. Uh, Disney Interactive Studios announced that they will be releasing a version of the popular Toy Story Mania attraction as a 3D game for the Nintendo Wii. The game will include 3D glasses and feature similar gameplay to the attraction, but will also contain several mini-games and offer multiplayer support for up to four players. While Disney has not given a firm release date on this, you can expect it to hit stores this fall in time for Christmas. Big uh, time period for video games to get released is the September October time frame. That's a big uh, it's a time when a lot of games get released. Very few games get released in the summer. So I'm going to be one of those people who will be like first in line at Best Buy to buy this when it comes out. It comes with a squirt gun so your family can spritz you in the face while you're playing. <laughs> I was going to say it's completely interactive. Bob Iger comes to your house and spins you in your chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is uh, brilliant. I think this is a stroke of brilliance. I think that is an attraction. Very, 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 very few theme park attractions tra- will translate well into a video game. This is, a, is this definitely an exception. And if the 3D is good, because personally, I've never experienced good 3D on my television set, no matter how good my TV was. I tried watching uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth with Hasbin Frazier. Um, well, you know, when he's making movies like this now, you know, it's over. Brendan, come over. It was... The, the gods and monsters days are gone. Yeah, because this was one of the worst films I'd ever seen in my life. And then watching it in bad 3D was even worse. Because um, I, I don't go to movie theaters. But, you know, 3D is now the... It's coming back. I mean, coming back in a big way. There's real... This real 3D technology that Jeffrey Katzenberg at DreamWorks mm-hmm. has been pushing and pushing and pushing. And now you've got James Cameron and, and uh, uh, Steven Spielberg all doing films in this technology. There's a, a whole rush of films coming out, starting with Monsters vs. Aliens. Correct. Uh, coming out. That's actually out now, I it's think. It out, just came out. Yep. And uh, you've got a whole rush of films coming out this year and next year. They're going to release Toy Stories 1 and 2, both in 3D. Which I think, because what they're saying about this new 3D technology is that it's not like the old days where it gives you a headache. That it really is a whole different experience. So if that's the case, I can't. it will get me to go back to the theaters to see something like Toy Story. Honey, I shrunk the audience gives me a headache. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this is a totally different technology. Well, no, that's the older technology. Yeah. This is a totally different technology, different screens. It's costing uh, movie theaters about $25,000 per location to install the equipment necessary. And that's been the biggest hurdle into uh, mass adaptation of this technology. I'm waiting for Gone with the Wind 3D. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old-fashioned. I really am. Well, I'm really, I'm really waiting for uh, Avatar, uh, James Cameron's live-action 3D movie, which he's been working on for a decade now, and they're saying he's... They pump like $300 million into this. So it's either going to be another Titanic or another Ishtar. Avatar? Is that the little pointed guy with the arrow on his head? Is he Avatar? Little cartoon guy? I don't know. No? Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm just looking forward to <laughs> Call it. Tracy. Yeah. Call Tracy. I'm sure Tracy will know. I'll ask Tracy. So, but I'm, I'm very excited to see this, this game come out. Something to take me away from Animal Crossing. 
I see Toy Story Mania, I do on video, but Animal Crossing, it just sounds like there's, you know, too many levels and too many things you have to do. Toy Story Mania, I could sit there and shoot it, the TV. But you have to try Animal Crossing before you judge it. Oh, oh most definitely. Everybody who plays it gets addicted to it. Everybody. Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't played I'm my sure. Wii in a long time. I think I have Wii on Wii. Huh? You're still paying for this. <laughs> You're still paying for that. I stole Kevin's joke. I have we on we. On we is a sort of state of ambivalence. Oh, oh okay. <sighs> okay. If you have to explain the joke. <laughs> they make right. me laugh. All right. And, <laughs> and finally this week, Disney released a free dining promotion last week for travel this fall. Promotion comes on the heels of the wildly successful seven days for the price of four offer that has been running since late last year. This new offer is good for most dates, August 16th through October 3rd. You must book at least a three-night stay with a one-day theme park ticket. Immediate deposit is required, and you must book by June 21st, 2009. Um, we said it was coming. We said we probably, they were probably going to do this because it works well for them in the fall. Um, now, is it quick service dining, though, or is it table it's service? Basic. It's actually it's it's, the basic plan. We're very happy about that. We had thought it was going to be the quick service. So if you're thinking of adding quick service, you might as well add the full plan and get it for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I believe you can upgrade to deluxe dining. I think it's $32 a day per person. Right. You're going to adult the, you're t- pay the difference between the deluxe plan and the regular plan. Which is $32 a day per person right. and $10 for kids. And... Uh, I think you know one of the reasons we want to focus on crowd on getting around the parks with crowds is because uh, with all these offers being so successful uh, and with free dining now out, it looks to me like crowds are here for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. and uh, because it's Disney has done a brilliant, brilliant job of getting people into their parks. There's no doubt about it. I don't remember the last time I saw the parks in March, even during spring break, like this. And it's definitely Disney and not Orlando, because on Monday, after I left the Magic Kingdom, I went to Universal. And when I can walk right on the mummy in the middle of the day, there's a problem. We did the same thing the other day. We walked right on to Simpsons. Yep. Yes, we had, we, we, we had, well, we had a 20-minute wait on Simpsons. It's the surrounding area around Disney also. We were in the crossroads a couple. Oh, yeah. And that was mobbed. Yeah. No, so, Disney is definitely, they have drawn the crowd. International Drive, though, is dead. Yep. They're suffering big time. And so, you know, that's how I know that it's not an Orlando experience, or an Orlando thing that, you know, just people are coming to Orlando. No, this is a Disney thing. And while well, the crowds stink, it's good for the economy here. It's just no offense or buts about it. It's good for the economy here. And for as much as I'd like to criticize Disney on certain things, this is one thing i got to give them. i got to tip my hat to them. They did a brilliant, brilliant job marketing that package, and they have brought people into town so that they can pay the tourist tax and build a new arena for the magic. Um, but I won't go off on that. But... Uh, Booking codes for the new dining plan are, as in Robert Y. H. For the basic dining plan, U. G. R. For deluxe, K. E. U. For free dining with wine, and N. As in Nancy Z. Z. For deluxe dining with wine and dine. 
So, or you can just go to dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Where there is no whining. <laughs> Not in public, anyway. So that will do it for the news this week, folks. We're going to move on to rapid fire. And who would like to go first, since I don't have one? I will. Teresa. All right. SeaWorld After Dark is starting May 24th to September 1st. Evenings this summer, join SeaWorld's shining stars in a rock and roll extravaganza. Shamu Rocks is driven by a beat that's larger than life and stunning visual effects. Ski Jam is all-new nighttime action-packed ski show. DJs throughout the park add even more fun to the rockin' atmosphere. I'm guessing you didn't write this. Yeah. I did. Is that, is that sparkling? <laughs> I try to put that word in as much as I can. But I, I found this. I think it sounds fun. Usually at SeaWorld, you're out. Yeah, it's not. It's not? <laughs> well, I'm thinking, of my fa- I'm thinking of my kids, my husband. They like... It's hard to see the fish in the dark. I was just going to say, there's nothing more exciting than that whale show at night. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing tricks, I promise. You can't (laughs) see it. He's spinning and jumping. Hear that? Splash. Now, wait a minute. This is fireworks, too. Do they normally have fireworks every summer? In the summer, yeah. This is my first real summer. In the summer, yeah. They do. I'll check it out. I'll stay home. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Teresa. Kathy Worling. Disney's Animal Programs released a manatee at Blue Springs State Park. And the manatee had been here for six years, undergoing care. He was over at SeaWorld for a while, and I n- never did understand then why. Then they used they- it for target practice? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why they moved him from SeaWorld to um, Epcot, but they did. And now they've released him, and he's got a um, monitor on his back. And if you've ever gone up to Blue Springs, we went there a couple weeks ago. I think it was like a month ago. Um, it's where all the manatees go in the wintertime because it's like warmer, and there was like several hundred manatees there so if you you're coming down for a manatees the other white meat <laughs> <laughs> if you're coming down and you want something to do maybe a day outside the park going to see the manatees because when you see them in epcot it's sort of like yeah there's this big thing floating in the water however in, they won't be there again until next winter right but i'm just saying if you come down next year um and they stick a, a monitor on his back yeah so they can track them cool cool you remember the way they used to do it on what Mutual of Omaha? Maybe you don't. Mutual. I remember Mutual of Omaha. Jim's wrestling the alligator. Yeah. Okay. Actually, we talked to the lady up there, and when the manatees come for their, you know, big powwow or whatever you want to call that when they're all up there, they have. Um, <laughs> they do come because the water's warmer. <laughs> right. They come. The manatee the, powwow. It's not the G eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, they come because the water's warmer, but they do manatee have um, volunteers who spend. <laughs> several days every week documenting the manatees and they have pictures and they can tell by the marks on their back like if this manatee had been there like the year before and stuff the the lady was saying she had taken something like 900 pictures of all these manatees so at the powwow cool yeah (laughs) manatee roundup (laughs) well there's a day okay the powwow there's a day that we went up it just so happened that there was like a manatee festival Wow! What did they have like little like manatee booths and hats? And they t-shirts? actually did. There was a like a the park. manatees were man- manning booths. No, no, the manatees weren't, but the humans were eating contests. Yeah. Do you want to know? I used to be a part of the Save the Manatee Club, and what I think is really cool about them is they have no natural enemies. They're one of the few animals on Earth that have no huh. natural enemies. Really? I didn't know that. No, they have no natural enemies. They're just incredibly stupid. <laughs> And slow. 
<laughs> they call them sea cows. Mm-hmm. They actually, which is what they that. call me when I go swimming in the ocean. <laughs> Look, it's a sea cow. I was going to say they call me that anytime. Sea cow, <laughs> pull him back into the water. He's dying. <laughs> Throw water on him. Keep his skin wet. <laughs> Especially when I when I wear my black bathing suit. They actually believe manatees are what the mermaid legend was based upon. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't well, know that. I'm learning all kind of stuff today. I'm telling you. All right. Well, thank you for that, Kathy. Jan. You don't have one? No. I have the Disney Wonder is moving to L.A. in 2011. The Port of Los Angeles. It wants to be a star. It does. <laughs> um, we had talked We've about this. saying it. Right. We had talked about this. Someone wrote to us and said we had it wrong because we were talking about when the new ships come online, Disney will put a ship out there. The new ships cannot pass through the Panama Canal, so it only makes sense that Disney's going to put an existing ship. No, we were very clear. I I know I was extremely clear that the new ships were going to be out here and they were moving either the Magic or the Wonder out to to California. So I don't want to hear that we got it wrong. Go back and listen to the show. We got it right. (laughs) Snap. Snap. (laughs) Did you hear that, Carlos? (laughs) Um, Disney has officially announced they've signed a two-year contract with the Port of Los Angeles uh, starting 2011 with the option for a three-year extension. Um, Very excited about this. This is going to be very cool. Not only are we getting new cool ships here, but it's going to offer another cruising opportunity out on the West Coast. Obviously, well, not obviously, but we speculate that they'll probably put it together with some sort of land, sea, Disneyland vacation. That makes the most sense. If they make any, if, if they have any sense about them, yes. Right. They didn't do a good job with that, in my opinion. The couple of times that the Wonder or the Magic have been out in Los Angeles doing those summer runs, I thought they didn't do nearly enough to promote land, sea with Disneyland because it just makes it a whole different type of vacation. And they actually uh, made it difficult. Yeah, to add days onto a cruise at Disneyland, yeah, they just made it difficult. Well, again, you work into that whole Disney's computer systems are weird, and any kind of you know change throws them into a tailspin. They, they can build Mission Space. Yeah, they can fix their computer system. True, um, but I think Disneyland lends itself to this type of vacation. Four days Disneyland, three day cruise. I think it's going to work well. So. And obviously that means that the uh, new ships, at least one of the new ships, will be here in Port Canaveral. And we know that Port Canaveral is um, undergoing extensive renovation to make way for the larger ships. Yeah, I think they're both going to be here. It's very possible. I I don't – it doesn't – there's no reason why it shouldn't be here. I mean the dock is used, you know – only a couple days a week, so there's a, the docking spaces available, and there's places for it to go, and people are excited about it. So yep. they could easily make longer cruises out of Port Canaveral and still. I think the freedom is coming here at that time, also. Right. So cool. That's it. Well, thank you for that, John. Kevin. Mine's kind of short. Um, that gentleman, that artist that you brought us the thing, Robert Oshevsky. You can now buy his pieces in – I saw them in Art of Disney and Epcot. Not only the the boxes. They had all of the boxes. They now have the Pocket Pals. Cool. Which they didn't when you first came back from Disneyland. I did see them in the parks the other day. I don't think they can put those in enough places. That beautiful, beautiful, beautiful artistry. We get a lot of emails asking um, – where how the people can see them and you can go to Disney or DisneyGallery.com to see them and if they could buy them here in or in well, Florida. We'll put another we'll put another link in the show notes page to Robert Oshevsky's website. Um, you've got he's got pictures of them there, ways to order them online. 
uh, and all that good stuff. So I can't say enough good things about his uh, his stuff. They told me in the Art of Disney that if they're excuse me if they're in one, it'll just be a matter of time before they're dispersed through all the Art of Disney's. That should be the case. They should have them everywhere. So cool. Thank you for that, Kevin. Corey Patrick. Uh, Universal Orlando released some Easter dining options uh, at Portofino. The Trattoria del Porto is offering a traditional Easter buffet feast in a friendly, casual atmosphere. Um, they'll have character dining, face painters, balloon artists, and a visit from the Easter Bunny, along with two scheduled Easter egg hunts. This takes place uh, from 11.30 a.m. to 9 o'clock p.m., complimentary ga- uh, glass of champagne included. Um, also, your your favorite Mama Della's will offer a family-style dining featuring authentic Easter specialties from regions of Tuscany, Naples, and Piemonte. I hope it's not my family style. From <laughs> <laughs> Those weren't fun. <laughs> That'll take place from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. Royal Pacific. The island's dining room is offering a special Easter brunch buffet featuring Asian sushi, omelet, and waffle stations. They'll also have um, character dining, face painters, balloon artists, and a visit from the Easter Bunny. That takes place from 12.30 p.m. to 9 o'clock p.m. Also, they have a complimentary glass of champagne included. And at the Hard Rock, the Easter brunch with a touch of rock and roll at the kitchen. Meet the Easter Bunny and visit the kids-only pancake and cookie decorating station, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Easter Bunny's going to be busy. That's what I was thinking. How are yeah, they going to get him from one place to another so quickly? He hops. amazing. <laughs> he hops from one. Okay. <laughs> He's ubiquitous, like air. And if you're interested in any one of these, you can call 407-503-DINE. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Corey Walter, you got one? Yes, I do. Takes his mic off the stand like he's going to sing. <laughs> Come on, Celine. Sing out. Lowe's Royal Pacific Hotel introduces Aloha Friday. It's going to feature tropical drinks, food, and live music. Lowe's Royal Pacific. None of which will be any good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Let me After that, you can go to SeaWorld's Rockin' Eve or whatever it was. <laughs> Lowe's Royal Pacific Resort at Universal Orlando or Aloha Friday will feature. Volcano Joe and the Hot Lava Band performing songs by your favorite artists, including Jimmy Buffett, the Eagles, UB40, and much more. None of my favorite artists. (laughs) (laughs) The the Royal Pacific cover band. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're you're reaching up to hit bottom. (laughs) Aloha Friday. Is he going to read the same thing again? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to add to it. It's not getting come on, wa- come on, Wob. Finish. Okay. <laughs> Aloha Friday is a Lowe's Royal Pacific <laughs> Resort special party. Kick back and relax in a tropical paradise and celebrate the weekend with your favorite Hawaiian shirt or dress. The $25 ticket includes a taste of the island from Lowe's Royal Pacific Resort and Emerald's Chop Shop. Tropical drinks, beer, wine, gourmet. Emerald's cult- Chop Shop? <laughs> yes. Chop chop. That's what I was thinking. That's where you get your car done. That's where you steal your tires. You're right. It's chop chop. That's where Emerald uh, Emerald chops up your car and sells it off in pieces. <laughs> you want to buy some nice? What rooms? goes on at that hotel? <laughs> <laughs> we got fake Jimmy Buffett outside. <laughs> oh man! Okay, it's only twenty five dollars. <laughs> 
okay, you also get a lay. But anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it worth it. <laughs> Is that with a member of the band? Y'all killing me. Frankie Volcano. <laughs> Aloha Friday is an event for 21 and older. It's going to be Friday, April 17th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. It will be at the um, Lu- Luau Pavilion. For tickets, log on to lowshotel.tix.com. Um, for more information, you can call 407 503 They're doing it at the Luau Pavilion. Yes. Oh, maybe it won't be so bad. Because the Luau, I'll tell you, the Luau at Royal Pacific is phenomenal. Blows away uh, the uh, spirit of Aloha at Polynesian and the crappy one they do at SeaWorld. Because the one at, that was really good food at their uh, at their Luau. So I thought it was going to be in the island's dining room, which yep. has always been mediocre at best. Right. Over at Royal Pacific. So maybe it will be pretty good. $25 a person? Yes. That's mm, not bad. I don't think you're using that word right. What? Not bad. All right, that is going to do it for Rapid Fire this week. We're going to move on to our next segment. Kevin Close has his re-review of Coral Reef Restaurant. We talked about this some months ago. And Kevin was sidetracked for a while with his uh, surgery on his eye, but he has... Back in, in full force now with his dining review. Yay. Yay. I think Coral Reef was the first restaurant I really reviewed for the Diz. Yeah, you're correct. And it was a debacle. It was the sad little crab cake. It is. It's probably the most quoted thing I've ever said. Uh, we went back, and I tried to approach this with a completely open mind. And as I walked in, I was, I was trying to see this as if I've never been there. This is my first time visiting this restaurant. And, excuse me, I find the Coral Reef restaurant odd in that all of most of the other restaurants in Epcot have a podium outside and a greeter where there's someone answering your questions. I find the entrance to the Coral Reef, A, a little hidden. It's really tucked back behind the attraction. There's a little small sign, I'm going to guess four feet by four feet, on the opposite side in the grass, and there's nobody outside. When you look at the restaurant, there is a very small sign outside the restaurant, but it's almost invisible from 100 feet back, and there are these forbidding glass doors, these dark glass doors. So unless you've got a park map or your, it's your destination, I don't think most people would even know it was there. I think probably some of the restaurants get business just by people walking by them. This is not the kind of place that gets a lot of foot traffic unless you're going there because there's no other reason. There's not even a restroom back there. So I tried to approach it in that way, and I thought, what would I think of this restaurant if this was my first trip here? And I thought, I would probably be kind of turned off by it. It's not at all welcoming. It's not at all visible. So I think that they could do a better job with that. Now, as you go inside the restaurant, there's... It's, again, it's not at all welcoming. Everything is done in cool, under-the-sea colors, and I understand that. But you have to walk a ways until you get to a podium. 
And the walls, in my opinion, have a very 70s feel to them. They're kind of plastic laminate kind of thing. And I, I, I just don't see anything appealing about the restaurant. We were uh, greeted differently this time. Actually, we were greeted, which is different. And we were given a beeper and, again, asked to wait. Uh, when we were shown to our table, I'm going to guess the restaurant was about half full. And I'm not under—I'm not sure I understand the reason. We weren't the only people waiting, and why you're given a beeper to wait in a restaurant that's half full. I, I don't understand that. I understand that servers get backed up, and they don't want you to sit and wait and stuff like that. Our server was there within seconds of us sitting down. Uh, We—the menu is different from the last time I was there. I don't know when the menu changed, but it is different. And while we were sitting and waiting, they brought us uh, two loaves of crusty bread, some butter, and some that ubiquitous olive oil and balsamic vinegar that pretty much every place gives you these days. The bread was good, I have to say. The appetizers, there are eight appetizers, I'm sorry, seven appetizers. They range in price from $16.99 for an appetizer to $6.99. John and I... Again, we order more food when the two of us go out to do a review just so we can get a bigger sampling. We ordered something called the Appetizer for Two, which is seared scallops with a cauliflower foam with black truffle vinaigrette, the sea and land, which is grilled shrimp with cucumber salad, and a braised beef tenderloin skewer with creamy polenta and a taste of our creamy lobster soup. This appetizer is $16.99. You get two scallops two shrimp, a piece of beef as big as most people's pinky, and two little tiny demi-toss cups with lobster soup in it. I'm talking a tablespoon of lobster soup. I'm going to guess you get four ounces of food for $17. It's, in my opinion, wildly overpriced. The sea scallops were cooked very well. However, they came on cauliflower foam. I don't... What is cauliflower foam? It's actually cauliflower spit, from what I can gather. (laughs) I mean, I like cauliflower, but I can't... Excellent question. (laughs) It's like... It's foam that tastes like cauliflower. Like mashed potato? No, no, no. Like the foam you would get on top of a cappuccino. But but it tastes like cauliflower. Oh, like the scum on the top of the water when (laughs) when you're boiling cauliflower? Or the jacuzzi. You know that foam that forms on the top? Yeah. Too many children have been in it. Right. <laughs> Did you eat the foam? Yeah. The lobster yeah, you're talking about, I'm looking at the photo now. It looks like an espresso cup, almost. Uh, a yeah. demitas cup, yeah, an demitas. espresso oh, okay. cup. Yeah. Oh, and we say it's smaller than a regular shot glass. Right. That's it's, how it's much about, soup you got. I put a, a fork in the picture so you can get a general idea. What's that little bloody red thing on there? That's the beef. That is the beef. Uh, the sea and land are two grilled shrimp... With cucumber salad and then the barbecue beef tenderloin. The barbecue beef tenderloin, we split it, is literally a single bite for two people. There's no no way to get two bites out of it. It's a bite of beef and a shrimp. The, The creamy lobster soup, again, you get about a tablespoon. And the soup is good. Not great, but good. Uh, John really enjoyed the cucumber salad underneath the sea and land. 
So you can take from what if you think that's enough food for you for seventeen dollars, I strongly recommend. The fact that they suggest that it's an appetizer for two is laughable in my opinion. <laughs> John ordered the shrimp and lobster cake. This is served over Napa cabbage slaw with a sweet and sour Vietnamese vinaigrette. This is mostly shrimp. They've tried to make like it looks like a small pancake. I found it a little... Well, first of all, we sent the first one back. The first one came out out of the refrigerator cold. I actually asked her. I said, is this supposed to be a cold appetizer? And she said, no. I said, it's actually ice cold in the middle. And she immediately took it away. I have to say she was great. Our waitress was... Our server was great. She snapped it up. And I mean, within seconds, I got another one. Have you ever eaten something fried where the oil oil wasn't hot enough to begin with? And it quickly absorbs the oil, so it Mm -hmm. sort of stays greasy? Yeah. This was... It was a greasy, and it was mostly shrimp, so it had a very rich taste. I didn't really get any lobster from it. Now, I do have to say, the Napa cabbage slaw underneath with the sweet and sour Vietnamese dressing was excellent. It was at this point, after we had had the appetizer for two, and we hit, John was trying this, that we thought the person who's in charge of the the sort of secondary characteristics of the meal should really be in charge of the, the main meal. There's some creativity and some flavor added to these things. There's a theme going on where the the accompaniments were better than the meal itself. Exactly. Uh, we also ordered a bowl of creamy, or I'm sorry, curry corn chowder. I had to order it because it was so different from the rest of the menu. The menu is based on a seafood. It's a seafood restaurant for all intents and purposes. And this is curry corn chowder. And I thought, okay, this is a nod to people who are vegetarians or don't eat seafood. However, it has applewood smoked bacon in it. So I'm not quite sure why this was on the menu. And it was a fairly decent corn chowder, big chunks of potato and corn in a creamy liquid. However, the curry and uh, the coconut milk were so light that it missed. It was not spicy enough or not flavorful enough to be good. If they had taken those flavors out of it, it would have been a very serviceable corn chowder. It wasn't anything I would recommend. There are 10 entrees, and again, they range in price from $20.90. I'm sorry, $22.99. Again, I apologize, $27.99 to $16.99. And then there's a $12.99 Caesar salad. However, it's broken up to into classics and our signature entrees. John and I decided we would try the signature entrees. My opinion is, if that's what you're telling me is your signature, we should see how that goes. We ordered the pan-seared tilapia at $20.99, which is served with roasted white and green bean salad in a tomato vinaigrette and the lobster salad on a toasted baguette with a cup of lobster soup and mixed greens. That's good. That's also $20.99. Sounds good. I'm that sounds st- really good. <laughs> I'm going to start with the pan-seared tilapia. <laughs> this was the most basic preparation you can imagine for about four ounces of fish. It was seared in a pan. It needed salt. It needed lemon. It, you needed to dress this puppy up by its by yourself. It had very little flavor. I can't say that it was cooked incorrectly. It just was bland. It was just a piece of seared fish. However, the white and green bean salad underneath was spectacular. And we said, if by chance we happened back in here, I would ask if I could make an entree out of that. It was the little tiny French green beans, the haricot vert, and white beans in a uh, mixed salad or mixed green salad with a vinaigrette. We both 
enjoyed it very much. And if we hadn't ordered other things, I might go back and ask for a second helping of that order, a second helping. It was that good. Again, this is a $21 entree. And I just think to myself, you're pay- four ounces of fish for $21 is a lot. Our second entree was the lobster salad, which is listed as being on a toasted baguette with a cup of lobster soup. This was an ice cream size scoop of what they said was lobster salad. I could not find any lobster taste in this at all. I said to John, will you test this and see if it's tuna fish? I go. We go to a place locally where for fourteen ninety nine you get a lobster salad roll, and there is no doubt in your mind that you're eating great big chunks of lobster tail. There is none of that. This is the lobster meat that isn't the good stuff. It had the color and consistency of tuna. And not even good mm. tuna. You know, it was like, you know, I like my tuna with a hint of dolphin, and it didn't even have that. <laughs> It, it describes it as being on a toasted baguette. We got two little toast points that had been toasted at one time. You know when you put bread in the microwave to heat it up? If you don't eat it within six seconds after you take it out, it becomes the bottom of your shoe. Yeah. That's what this was. It was almost impossible to bite through it. Hmm. Now, what happened was when we started this, and you've all heard me talk about this before, I said to our waiter, our server... I have trouble with that word. I keep wanting to go waitress. I said to our server, I want to order our appetizers first. And she said, well, as long as I'm here, let me take your entree order. I said, here's the deal. If you bring my entree with my appetizer, I'm not accepting it. I just want you to know that up front. She said, not a problem. We'll handle that. The kitchen's terrific. Needless to say, our appetizers and our entree came at the same time. Unbelievable. After telling her, I said to her. That's what happened to us in California. I told her, I said, I don't want this. I also don't want you to take this back and put it under a heat lamp. I expect you to make fresh entrees. Well, we got shown because I got microwave toast points. This is a $21 item, and it's what they're listing as their signature entree. I cannot recommend either one of these. If you're going to go in there and you're starving and you happen into this dark cavern by by accident, (laughs) stumble across the restaurant. I suggest you order the the roasted white and green bean salad and tomato vinaigrette. That's the that and the Napa cabbage slaw under the shrimp and lobster cake were the only thing that I thought were flavorful and t- good tasting and well seasoned and worth eating. Okay. Now we moved on to dessert, and we ordered their signature. And I hear the people on the boards rave about this dessert. It's something called the chocolate wave. It's served with raspberries for seven ninety nine. This is a chocolate cake. It's like a chocolate muffin, but more cake-like, served upside down with a white chocolate filling in the middle. It was served with some fresh raspberries and some whipped cream. In all honesty, it was good. It was warm. It was tasty. And in all the desserts at Disney... Are this price? I thought this was a good deal. I thought it was very good. John ordered something called the Bailey's and Jack Daniel Moose. It comes in a coffee cup, a clear glass coffee cup, and it's three layers. There's a layer of Bailey's Moose, there's a layer of Jack Daniel's Moose, and then there's a chocolate ganache on top with some whipped cream. And they stick a... They call it a chocolate cigar. A chocolate cigar. If you've ever bought cookies in the Pepperidge Farm aisle, it's a pirouette. Oh. 
and it's stuck in there like a coffee stirrer, so it's presented as this after-dinner coffee. Again, it's seven ninety nine, and we thought it was terrific. Really flavorful, really tasty. Lunch for the two of us was $99.76. Wow. Now, well, then again, you ordered more food than we could normal. have done away with a soup. Exactly. That's the whole point. Is we, when we look back, we think, well, we've kind of overordered, but we really didn't. Even if we got away from the appetizer for two, that takes $17 off. Right. Then you'd have to drop it down to 88. No, what's 17 from 100? 83. Why, why do you go these places when you can't afford it? Isn't that what Charlie <laughs> I'm financially and mentally bankrupt. It's it, it almost hurts to pay that amount. It's almost like you get the bill and you think to yourself, in this economy... And nobody having a glass of wine. Nothing. There wasn't even a soft lunch. drink included it there. It was two glasses of ice water. Okay. The tabletops here are stainless steel. The decor, it, it's, it's very, very loud in there. First of all, you have these plastic walls, and then one whole wall of the restaurant is big sheets of... I don't know if it's plexiglass or glass, whatever separates you from the fish. So there's not even fabric to soak up the sound. So the noise is just bouncing off the walls in there. We were sitting, however wide a regular dining table is across from each other, and literally had a yell to hear each other. It was that loud in there. I can only assume that it seems to me that we talk about every once in a while Disney's arrogance. It seems to me that there was very little thought put into our food, except for whoever was uh, uh, responsible for the secondary items. They were terrific. I don't have anything to complain about there. All of it was fresh. All of it was good. However, the main courses just were not anything that I would recommend you run out and go to. And you can, you, you pair that with this sort of foreboding entrance. And I think to myself, this could be a destination. This could be so good that people want to go into the park to go there. Mm-hmm. And that's just, and you're, you're charging those prices. I don't understand why it's not brought up to speed. The draw of this restaurant is the giant aquarium, and you get to see cool stuff. You get to see sharks go by. and This is over by Nemo in that area, mm-hmm. right? Okay. In that same building, yeah. And Stingray, so I can absolutely see where people would want to go and experience that, but... You can see those same things on the other side right. in the exhibit without spending a hundred bucks for lunch, and that's just for two. If you had a family of four, right. that's a lot of money for lunch. The other thing that amazed us, one of the things that John and I look for is when you watch tables be cleared. I think most people, when they go out to dinner, eat what they order. It's amazing for us to watch the amount of food that goes back. And the the dishes in these restaurant in this restaurant were going back more than half full. So I, I don't know that I'm the only one who thinks that this wasn't very good. I get a lot of people who say to me, "But you know what? My kids want to eat there. My kids want to see this. We have to have something for my kids to do while they eat." Well, then that's what you're paying for. You're paying to be your children to be entertained. I don't understand that. You're at Disney World. I think children, you know, you're you're already being entertained. (laughs) But it's just, there are a lot better ways to spend your money. Mm. You could go to the land pavilion and go to the season, sunshine seasons, Mm -hmm. and feed a family of four for half that price. 
and come away with a better experience. That's my opinion, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the seasons. That's where we ate. That's yeah. Seasons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so our family of five was like sixty-five. See now, it's funny you talk about seasons. Uh, Disney has done something extraordinary, in my opinion, with seasons. They have taken good, relatively healthy food and made it fast food. That, you know, you can feed a family for 10 to $15 a person for lunch or dinner, get really decent food, whether it's the chicken, the, the rotisserie chicken, the rotisserie pork, the sandwiches, the... Uh, the salads, the, salads, the Asian, the Asian st- uh, food station, um, and why isn't every food court on Disney property like that? Why not just say, okay, you know what, we can do this. Let's do it everywhere, like they do with everything else. Why can't they recreate mm-hmm. that? But uh, you know, uh, as far as the coral reef goes, this has been a, that has been a troubled location. For as long as I've been doing this, I've been doing this for 12 years. For as long as I've been doing it, there have either been mixed reviews about Coral Reef or people just downright couldn't stand it. I think one of the things that John brought up and we kind of passed by is I think the dining plan has sort of dulled people's idea of what this stuff actually costs, mm-hmm. what the cost is involved. Yeah. I think if you're, you've already paid for your dining plan in advance and you're just going in and ordering anything you want, I think people's senses are dulled that this is almost free now. This food is free. So we won't complain because it's free. Yeah. Well, it's not free. You've paid for it. Or if you're going during free dining, you're paying for it in the long run. And I think people are more accepting of mediocrity when they feel that it's free. It's kind of like the old thing when you have a charge card. It's not like you're really paying for something. Right. I can go out and buy it. I can afford it. I used a charge card. It's not like the money actually had to come out of my pocket. I think if the people who were, if they actually had to take $100 out of their pocket, there might be a little more uproar over this. Because this is not a $100 meal. This is not a restaurant that would survive outside of this hothouse environment. Mm -hmm. Now, we also ate, um, at an off time, we ate at the uh, shoulder time for lunch. So this was lunch prices at a hundred. Oh yeah, that's the lunch people. menu. Mm. Yeah, that's wow. It's tough. I'm telling you, they bring that that bill over, and you think to yourself, you know, this could go somewhere else. So, but not the horror show that it was. It the, was fir- the right. first time. It was. There wasn't that. That series of would you say would you say there have been improvements? It should be the coral reef salad and dessert bar, <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> accompaniment bar. And those, I wanted to be honest and tell you that those things were good. I mean, I, if I could order that that bean and uh, that bean salad, I would gladly pay money for that as an entree. It was that good. I don't think it was anywhere near the mess that it was last time. I think there's been improvements. I think that the the portion sizes have improved. I also was told the last time that I had created some of this drama by ordering off menu at an off time. So I ordered specifically off the menu. We changed nothing. We wanted to give them a fair shake. I certainly don't agree with that. My feeling is if you're willing to do what I'm asking you to do, you should be able to do it with panache and flair. Especially at those prices, yeah. But I, I wanted people to understand that we tried to give this as fair a shake as possible. We asked them to do nothing extraordinary. 
So I guess the recommendation to people is go in, if you if you are going to eat at the coral reef if because your kids want to experience the aquarium go in with go in with your eyes open right uh, and manage your expectations that the you know the signature dishes may not be as extraordinary as uh, you would expect them to be but uh, you know it's not without its uh, not without its merits we were I, I was tr- when I was writing the review of this I broke it down differently that appetizer for two was uh 16.99. So that's 8.50 a person, almost 9 bucks with tax. For $9 you get a scallop, a shrimp, a bite of steak and a tablespoon of soup. <laughs> Maybe mm. that foam is expensive to make. That cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go just to see that. I just want to see how they make that. It's cauliflower spit. I swear that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It just was it's a little disgusting. It sounds bad. But so for nine dollars you get those things. I just think that's incredible. Well. And not in a good way. Well, welcome back to doing your dining reviews. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kevin, for your review of Coral Reef. All right, our next segment we're going to discuss the crowds at Walt Disney World as uh if if you have been to uh the parks in the last few weeks. You know that uh, Disney's promotions for seven nights for the price of four have worked and have put people into the parks. Uh, the last few times I have been in the parks, it has been even in Epcot, which normally is a park that really absorbs its crowds well. Uh, it has been really packed. Now, I have to say this, though. I have to say this in all fairness, that, yeah, it's crowded uh, it's there are layoffs going on, cutbacks going on in various areas of the company. So far, from my perspective at least, I have not seen an impact in terms of the actual experience. Cast members that I do come in contact with seem very happy. Maybe they're just trying to make sure they keep their jobs. I don't know. But the cast members have been great. Uh, the rides have been operating well. Um, the lines are long. But that's going to come with being crowded. Now, from what we're hearing on our boards and from other sources, that this is not going away anytime soon. You may have a few periods between now and October, November, where there will be some lulls. But for the most part, keep in mind that these packages right now between the 7 for 4, which just ended, and the now the free dining promotion, uh, these are for travel through the beginning of October. And they have been selling really well. One of the things we've noticed when they do free dining in the past is that the restaurants are mobbed, but the parks aren't. That they're bringing a lot of people in, but it's not the same crowd level as you get in the summer. However, you can't get a dining reservation anywhere. So we are seeing that the restaurants are absolutely mobbed, but you still see less of a crowd. One of the things that I noticed walking through the park the other day, and I think I was more aware of it because I was kind of thinking about it, was I saw more people sitting on, like, planters and things, eating stuff that they brought from home. Uh, we were in the Magic Kingdom on Monday, and I noticed the guy in front of me carrying a big plastic bag full of sandwiches, sandwiches and snacks. I think a lot of people are starting to do this in order to, you know, even with the 7 for 4 deal or whatever, it's still expensive to come to Disney World. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I think you see a lot of people doing this. 
Now, I thought it was important that because uh, I really believe that pretty much there might be a couple of weeks in May that we'll, we'll see a bit of a lull. I think pretty much through summer we're going to mm-hmm. see big crowds in the parks. So I thought it was important to start maybe talking about that and some tips that we have, some ideas and, and suggestions we have for ways to deal with that. Uh, first and foremost, I think you know the most obvious tip for anybody who's done this or researched this for any length of time is get to the parks early. Early, early, early. Once 11 o'clock hits, those parks start getting stupid crowded. But if you're one of the first ones in, and remember that the parks normally open their gates about a half hour or so before the published opening time. So if the published opening time is 9 o'clock, they're going to start letting people in at 8.30. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to go on rides at 8.30. It just means that you'll be in position for the rope drop. They'll let you into the Magic Kingdom, let you into, onto Main Street uh, at that hour. If you are staying on property, then you have your extra magic hours, as they're called, either an hour early in the morning or three hours after the park closes at night. I'll tell you now, the three hours after the park closes at night doesn't make a whole lot of difference. It's open to anybody who's staying at a Disney resort. The the parks are usually mobbed. It's not like it used to be when they were doing e-ticket nights back in the day where they charged five or ten dollars and they limited it to five thousand, ten thousand people. Now it's if you're staying at a resort, you can be in the parks three hours after it closes. The lines are still long. It just gives you more time. The other to thing wait that, in lines. I apologize. The other thing that does is that makes the park more crowded during the day. Right. Where people are talking about the fact that that is, if you're, you're going to stay for the extra magic hours, you're in that park. So if the Magic Kingdom has three extra hours, the Magic Kingdom is more crowded on that day than it might normally that's, be. That's one of Bob's, actually his favorite tips he would always give, is if you are not interested in extra magic hours or you're not a resort guest, avoid the extra magic hour park that on day. On that day, mm-hmm. exactly. Go to a different I was just going to say that. Now, if you are a resort guest and the extra magic hour happens to be in the morning, that I would take advantage of. Yes. Because that, people are less likely to be up and out first thing in the morning than they are to stay up later in the night, in the evening, to stay in a theme park. So, if you are a resort guest and you are going to use the extra magic hours, use the one in the mornings and then get out of that park by about noon. Uh, because it just gets crazy. Another way to handle that, one of the things, John mentioned it before, we call them the shoulder times for meals, that breakfast might run until 10.30 and then or 11 o'clock and then lunch starts and then dinner starts. If you can get into the park early and not worry about having breakfast first thing, you'll get to see a lot more and then have either a very late breakfast or a very early lunch. The restaurants won't be as crowded. You'll be out of the fray during Mm -hmm. a busier time. And it just might, might make for a more pleasant experience. It also gives you some more touring time in the morning so that you don't have to stop and have breakfast first thing. Exactly, yeah. I, I, I find that the biggest, uh, the biggest stumbling block to early morning touring is breakfast. And so if you can work around that, either by doing something quick or doing something later on in the morning for breakfast, uh, that, that does help. That absolutely does help. There are certain spots in the parks also that tend to, when they're crowded become hateful the area around it's a small world and peter pan at where the haunted mansion meets it seems that that just becomes the the parking lot of yeah. all strollers mm-hmm. 
if you're looking to sort of avoid that hateful, crowded feeling, Toontown can get like that also. Make the most of the early morning hours when those will be less crowded. See those spots first. That'll give you the opportunity to avoid them later on when you can't get through. The other thing that I think, uh, you know, situations like this is where some of these services that are available on the web to help you better plan your strategy for how you're going to get from point A to point B become that much more important. Now, Tour Guide Mike is a sponsor of our theme, park bo- theme parks board. He puts together a great uh, series of suggestions. I think it's about uh, 2195 uh, for his touring plans. Uh, Disboards.com members get $3 off that, so it's eighteen ninety five. And what Mike does is provide you a lot of information based on his experience, which is pretty vast. He used to be a VIP tour guide for guest services in the Magic Kingdom. And VIP tour guides do not get to backdoor people into attractions. So they had to know how to circumvent these crowds and be able to get their their VIP guests on rides without having to backdoor them. So he took that knowledge and that experience and has put it into tourguidemike.com. Uh, go through uh, the link on uh, at disboards.com on the theme parks board for your $3 off. And, uh, you know, he provides you a lot of his tips and information. Uh, very, very thorough. Uh, it's definitely for the researcher. If you're a researcher, uh, it is definitely a great a great option. There are a few other options. Another uh, website, touringplans.com, which is run by the folks who do the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World, uh, Bob Selinger and Len Testa. And I'm not sure what touringplans.com is charging right now, but uh, they basically, you fill in some information and they provide a, a touring plan for you based on uh, the tips and information provided in their guidebooks. Uh, another one that I talked about a few weeks ago when we did the Disneyland show is RideMax.com. And RideMax.com provides uh, information you know, similar to the other two on how to get around the parks. Of course, my preference is that you use Tour Guide Mike as he's a sponsor of the site. And uh, those, those corporate sponsors help keep those boards running. Uh, a few people like the search function, the new search function on the boards that we just added. We can do stuff like that because of sponsors like Tour Guide Mike. Um, so it's a one way to show that you support the site. I want to make sure I give everybody a, a number of options, the most popular options that we find on our boards, which are Tour Guide Mike, touringplans.com, and ridemax.com. And uh, with RideMax, it's actually an application you download. I used it out in Disneyland. I have not used a Disney World one, so I can't speak to that. But I have used a Disneyland one, and I can say it was very good. It was very, very good. It was very easy. You answer a few simple questions, and it provides you a, uh, a real direct uh, schedule of when to hit what rides. And it takes these crowd patterns into account. Now, uh, I, as I mentioned, I have a financial relationship with Tour Guide Mike. I do not have a financial relationship with either touringplans.com or with ridemax.com, but I wanted to make sure... The resources like those are extremely important because it gives you more information. And this is not information that everybody else in the park has. You've got so many people that go into those parks. It just astounds me in this day and age with the availability of the Internet, the number of people that still go into the parks with no plan. 
that they come to Disney World and think that they're going to have some kind of existential experience in these parks, and that's just crazy talk. It's just crazy talk. You have to have, even even when it's not crowded, you should have a plan. But then, on the other hand, you've got the people who over-plan their trips. And get a little carried away. Quick, yeah. kids, run! It's ten sixteen. Where should we be? Yes. It's Flash Mountain. We're two minutes late. So, I have family that's a casual Disney visitor. They would never think of doing something this advanced and then are disappointed when the ride the lines are two hours long right but there are people out there who are not quite as obsessed as us His aunt and uncle come with uh their grandkids and they crack me up they like call the week before they, they like to be here the week between christmas and new year's they call the week before and say what can you get us <laughs> as far as a room or as, as a discount and we then, have voodoo dolls of them at home. Really? And then, then they get to the parks and they call us up and say, well, we can't get on anything. There's a four-hour wait for Soren. It's like, duh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and unfortunately, unfortunately, especially in a scenario like we're in now, which is a very unusual situation. I mean, uh, you know, the economy has conspired to have Disney release all these special discounts and, and deep discounts, which have filled the parks in a way that they're not normally filled at this time of the year. So regard, even if you're a casual Disney visitor, if you don't have a plan, you are not going to get the value out of your vacation dollar that you want. And you're not going to get the experience that you want. So sometimes when it is crazy crowded and lines are up to two hours, three hours for certain attractions, then, yeah, you're going to need to do the commando thing. If you want to get the most out of it, if you're okay with that, if you come in with the expectation that, you know what, I know it's going to be busy, I know lines are going to be long, I know I may not get on everything I want to get on, but I'm going to go go have a good time, then you're okay. One of the first things I learned when I was doing research when we first started coming down here is when you go into a park, don't go to the first attraction right as you come through the gate, because that's where everybody goes, like take you know spaceship earth for example when you get there when the park opens there is lines and you think that is the most popular ride in the park if you come back later in the afternoon there's nobody there well i knew i knew that epcot was busy when i got there at one o'clock in the afternoon and there was a 20 minute wait for spaceship earth that's busy because spaceship earth never has a 20 minute wait it went fast at one o'clock we did it twice (laughs) (laughs) of course you did it's your favorite attraction and you know then there's also the the, the the fast pass strategy, which tour guide Mike, touringplans.com, and RideMax are all going to implement, are going to tell you about. Uh, utilizing fast pass, learning how to properly utilize fast pass. These are things, I'm not going to go into all the different ways. It's on our boards, it's on these other sites I just mentioned. Uh, but utilizing fast pass to get. Uh, around some of these crowds, you know, is is uh, is a critical component. To and I would say, um, you know, don't expect to see everything. What we always used to do is say to the kids, like, what's the most important things you want to see? And then if we saw those, great. But I go on average, what, maybe 75, 80 times a year, and that's the last five years I've been doing that. You know what? I still haven't seen everything. So if you're coming down here for a week, there is no way you can possibly see everything. No, no, there isn't. Something else to keep in mind, and we again, we've noticed this with family. Uh, if you're traveling with children of disparate ages, if you have a three-year-old and a 15-year-old, 
you might want to attack certain things in a different way. You might want to take a 15-year-old to see a haunted mansion where that might scare a three-year-old. Not all three-year-olds, but some of them. However, a three-year-old might run a ride Winnie the Pooh. If the 15-year-old doesn't want to ride Winnie the Pooh and the three-year-old doesn't want to ride Haunted Mansion, that's your time to go in opposite directions and sort of hit both of those things at one time. It's very difficult when there's various ages within one group to make sure everybody's on the same page and going in the same direction and having a good time. And I would say to these people, too, that come in a big group. Not everybody has to go to the same ride at the same time. If there's 20 people and 10 people want to go on Haunted Mansion, and ten, go that way. Yeah. And you always see the frustrated one who's trying to keep all of them together. Right. Yeah. When, you know, th- th- there's a time to just say, okay, it's time for us to break apart. And, you know, I, I realize you want to have a family experience, but sometimes the best way to do these parks is to have those, ex- you know, you'll have times where it's a, the whole family is together. But it's also important to let people go their own their own way, and it's okay to let your fifteen year old go off by themselves in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, it's not necessarily you know a place where you. I mean, you should always be cautious, but you know it's relatively safe. Yeah, my my opinion on that has changed. It started out I wanted to keep our whole family together. You know, we're here, we're going to experience it together, and now it is like you get there. Grace goes one way, Max goes another way. I stay with Stella, obviously. Pick a place she's to seven. Meet. That's right. Pick a place mm-hmm. to meet. Keep keep your phone up, you know, and let's have a good time. We we give that advice to everybody. Pick a place to meet, and don't pick some place like the front of the castle. Everybody picks the front of the it's castle. It's hard to get past that though, when you're with your kids, because you want it to be the family experience, and then, but you, it doesn't work out that way. Because someone's well, always mad or ticked right. off that you know you're standing in line for. A ride it's they a don't small want to be world on. three million times with your seven year old, which I don't mind doing, but you know, Max may not enjoy it. Or Grace, <laughs> you know, they're just they're off, they're gone. So, no, precisely. So, giving everybody their own experience, giving everybody their own, you know, their own free run of the park. Plus, when you're 15, especially when you're a teenager, a young teenager in, in particular, they, that kind of freedom enhances i think enhances oh, it does, that yeah. that that experience of being on vacation and makes it that much more enjoyable we hear from people who haven't been here in many years a lot of times also and you have to keep in mind that the 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 disney experience has changed oh yeah that it's no longer just two theme parks and you can see everything in one day or two days this it's become much more crowded. It's become much more diverse and that you really have to approach it differently. My mom, who, as I've told this many times, we came in the seventies a lot. And even though she still goes out with us a lot, she's not in the parks as much as we are. And she still thinks, Oh, you know, we'll just walk from one thing to another and we'll see what we want to say. And you think, well, no, we really have to keep moving. So it's a different experience. Than it used to be. That's it. <laughs> it is different. Plus, everybody's got their cell phone, so it's easy. It's easier to find your people right. yeah. when you're right. done instead of wondering where your child is or, and wandering around the park looking for them. Yeah. It's much better. Remember the days of the walkie-talkies, and everybody had walkie-talkies in the park. We tried that on a cruise ship one time. I think one of ours is just off the coast of St. Martin. Because <laughs> you have to share the channels with other mm-hmm. people. And inevitably, I got somebody who wasn't speaking English. 
We were on a ship with about 700 young ladies. I don't know that I'm going to pronounce this right. Who were celebrating their quinceanera. And it was the most frustrating thing I think I've ever done. Kevin K. Kevin K. (laughs) (laughs) Turn to channel seven. (laughs) So annoying. Kevin K. Oh. One of the things to keep in mind, I, I say this a lot, and it sounds like a joke, but everybody wants to do the things you want to do. So keep that in mind. Everybody wants to do Soren. Everybody wants to do those big attractions. So you have to sort of take it into into account and use the mentality that these are the things that are popular. So you're going to wait in line, or you're going to have to have a strategy with FastPass. Um, I think people sometimes people go with a sense of entitlement. It costs me so much money. I was to just going to say that. I should be able to walk on any ride. Yeah, it costs everybody the same amount, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if Take anybody hears you say, this costs me a lot of money, You're, you better enjoy it. Yeah. We're going to tell you about it. Yeah. So if you come across those attractions that everybody wants to do and there's a long line, you just kind of kind of have to take a step back and enjoy the experience of it. Disney does a great job of making their lines interactive, their queues interactive. So standing in the line isn't as bad an experience as it used to be. And, and you know, really and truly, 30 to 45 minutes in line, while it seems like a long time, really isn't as long as you think it is. Right. It usually goes by fast. Also, and something else I have noticed, and again, this is anecdotal. I have no evidence to support this. But at Disney World in particular, I have noticed that very rarely is the line actually as long as that sign out front oh, yeah, that's says. A, that's a psychological thing. Yeah, oh, that, we always that, said that's the Disney lie. Well, it's. I think what the you know what they do is set your expectation, then exceed it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. By you know we're telling you it's going to be forty minutes, but it's actually thirty. So you feel like you know you didn't have to wait as long. You know, it's keep that in mind too. That those wait times aren't always. What they're cracked up to be. Almost always less, unless there's a ride malfunction, but almost always less. Something else to keep in mind. There's some things called line etiquette. Having one person get in line and saving a place for seven other people... It's not okay. It's going to annoy the people behind mm-hmm. you. Having your child swing from the, the queue dividers, while you might think it's adorable... It's going to annoy everyone around you. Mm-hmm. If everyone would just take into account that you're not in the park alone, you're not entitled to anything more than anybody else is, it would be a better experience for everyone. Well, it's funny you bring this up because in talking about crowds, uh, one of the things we have to talk about is our parades, whether afternoon or evening. And uh, especially during crowded times, like, for example, last week we were in the Magic Kingdom to see Spectral Magic and Wishes. And people started getting spots on Main Street two and a half hours mm. before Spectral Magic started. And I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about they were, you know, from about two and a half hours before Spectral, from about 5.30. Spectral was at 8 that night. From about 5.30, you started seeing people stake out. By 6.30... All of the prime spots were gone. By 7.30, it was about 10 people deep. I know it sounds crazy, but really, during the crowds, if you want to get, especially if you're looking to take video or pictures, 
that don't have heads in them, you want to be in a good spot where no one can stand in front of you or sit in front of you, especially if you want an unobstructed view for your kids. Now, Disney does not allow anyone to sit in the street. You may sit on the curb. Uh, If you're on Main Street, you may sit on the sidewalk up to the drain on around the hub uh, around Cinderella Castle but you cannot sit in the street and I mention this because I know this and I have my spot where I like to go for these parades Don't especially if I'm yeah. if, especially if I'm videotaping I'm not going to tell them but I have my spot uh, that I like to be at and Walter and I and my friend Gina got to this spot I would say probably around 6 o'clock. And we were prepared to wait. I knew it was a crowded day at the park. I knew if I wanted my spot and to be able to videotape Spectro Magic, which will go up with this show, if I wanted to be able to videotape Spectro Magic that I needed to uh, you know, get my spot early. And I did. And uh, people came you know, after us and... Everybody was good. I have to say, everybody was good. Everybody had their spot, understood. They got there after us. I noticed there were some younger children behind us, and I knew I was going to be standing to videotape. So I had said to the parents, if you want to let your kids sit in front of us, I've got no problem with that. I think that's only right. If you're an adult, you're going to be able to see over those kids. Those kids are not going to block your view. You can be generous and let those kids stand in front of you. Be aware of who's behind you. Try and you know not be obnoxious. It's 7.45. 15 minutes to Spectro Magic. And this family, mother, father, three kids, walks right in front of us and sits right down. Now, they're in the street. And I said to Walter, I said, no way they're going to be allowed to stay there. And... I'm like, I wasn't going to say anything initially because I knew. I knew I didn't have to say anything that within a matter of minutes, one of the parade people was going to come up and say, you have to move. Well, what they what this family wanted to do was move back into our spot. <laughs> that was not going to happen. We weren't having it. And I said to, the, I said to the, the, the cast member, I said, listen, they just sat down here. I have been standing here for two hours holding this spot. If they want to watch this parade, they have to go somewhere else. The idea that you're going to be able to just walk up to this parade, any parade, and sit in front of somebody that's been waiting for two hours, you have a right to speak up and say something. Well, yeah, because they're like, oh, we'll just scoot back. Because you talk about line etiquette. Well, there's parade etiquette, Mm -hmm. too. I also think there's um, uh, reserving a spot etiquette when there's one person that's trying to um, stake out 12 feet. Right, a right. spot. You know, yeah. they put one stroll over here, and then twelve feet. Uh, they put another stroll, and they start laying shirts from one stroll. And this is one person. It's like, where's the rest of your family? You know, I think, you know, you, you can't reserve if, a whole block. If you need to hold a spot for a couple of people that are running to the bathroom, that's one yes. thing. Yes, but if you're, yeah, if you're trying to reserve an entire block for your family that's on Splash Mountain, yeah. No. If you do not want to sit for two hours and reserve your spot, plan on watching the parade from back by the Hall of Presidents, the riverboat, any part of Frontierland. That whole strip, the parade goes right by there. It's the exact same parade. 
and it's far less crowded than Main Street. Because exactly. the idea is you don't have the castle behind you. Right. And Main Street, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. If you're not inside that rope. Yep. Oh, my gosh. One we were there for Spectre Magic and Stella. I mean, we just had to keep moving because there was no place to go. Yeah. Keep moving. Keep and moving. if you think you want to watch Spectro Magic from above the parade, of the, uh, the, on the top by the train station, we suggest you start st- staking out your spot around noon. Really? Mm-hmm. Get there very early. But how do you keep a kid happy while you dangle them off the balcony? <laughs> while you're waiting, you know, we've tried staking out our spot early, but. Candy, hot dogs, Valium. These are all things that work for Pete. <laughs> There's those little trinket pushers too. They kind of try to sell you kids everything. When people jump little, roping yeah. out in front and all, but yeah. One still. of my favorite things to do is as Kevin and I will leave a park, we'll just like start standing in front of a family that you know has been sitting there for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good spot, and we'll stay there for a few minutes. And we'll move on. Oh, you're lovely. <laughs> I tried to explain this once before. We've actually figured out a system. For somebody who's sitting in a wheelchair, and I tried to explain it, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it again. You have to figure out which direction the parade is coming from. Right. If it's headed up Main Street towards the castle, or if it's coming from Frontierland and going to end at the firehouse. Whatever direction the parade is coming from, put the child or the person who's sitting in a wheelchair at the far end of your group. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That way, you can form a little bit of a barrier and not let someone stand in front of them. If you put them at the end of your group, closest to the where the parade is coming from, Dangerous. someone is going to invariably stand directly next to them, and they're going to spend their entire time trying to crane around them, crane their neck to see the people coming. Oh, I see what you're saying. Put them at the far end of the group in the direction the parade is coming from, you can form a barrier, have the kids, adults sit on the ground, and then the person in the wheelchair or the smallest child can then see the parade coming towards them. It works. Trust me. Do you have any hints or tips for the father that wants to put the kid up on their shoulders? Teaser. Don't do it. <laughs> Teaser. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I understand that the kids need to see the parade, but there's a lot of adults that need to see it, too. And when you have that father up in front with the kid on their shoulders, there's a lot of people that can't see the parade now. My, my only request is if you're going to do that, do that from the beginning. Don't throw the kid up on your shoulder at the last minute. Right, right. Because I've already staked out my view of how I'm going to see things, and all of a sudden kids go up on people's shoulders. If I see there's a kid on the father's shoulders, I'll go around right. them. But yeah, I've had that when I'm over there trying to take pictures. I'm like, oh, I've got the perfect spot. And then all of a sudden the, the father puts the kid up. And then, you know, if you give one of those, I'm famous for like my eye rolls. And they'll just like look. And I'm like, well, you know, I've been here for two hours. Take yeah. the hundred pound child off your shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Or I'll go to Kevin. Come on up on my shoulders. Keep in mind that the cast members are just doing their job. If you have your child stand on the garbage can, they're going to tell you to move. Right. Can't stand in the flower beds, can't hang from the trees. Right. So, or their safety. And I realize that for those of you who are seasoned veterans to Walt Disney World, everything we just talked about is like, duh. But this is for those people who don't know the how to navigate crowds because we have plenty of them listening. And, you know, between using our site, using our boards, using many of the other resources that are available on the web, uh, you know, it really is necessary. If you plan on traveling to Disney pretty much between now and October, 
I would suggest you have a strong strategy in place for dealing with crowds. Worst case scenario, it's not that crowded when you get there, and you're good. But that you can adjust to on the fly. You cannot adjust the other way. Planning for very few crowds or very low crowds, getting there and finding out that everything's got a two-hour wait. You're not going to have the time to do your research. Do your research. Know where you want to go. Know when you want to go there. Know what parks you want to hit early in the morning. Know what attractions you want to hit early in the morning. Have a fast pass strategy. Know what events are taking place, too. Exactly. If there's a second showing of anything, the second showing will almost always be less crowded. And I would say pack a little patience. And what we also used to pack with us is a little bit of gratitude. Think of all the people who would like to go to Disney who can't go to Disney. So when you're going to have one of those moments where you feel entitled, just think of all the people who couldn't be there. Happiest place on earth. I say that to my kids every time we go. I always said that to my kids. In some form or another, you know. I deal with the people on the boards a lot, and I think to myself every time I walk into the park, do you know how many people would just give anything to trade places with you right now? So you have to go Oh, I say that to people all the time, that when I go to the park and like when I post pictures – I do it for all the people who can't be here. And people go, oh, you're just saying that. You're just rubbing it in. I can't tell you how much I appreciated when people went to Disney when I lived in Pennsylvania and they'd post a picture or they'd tell a story and put it up on the Diz. I was hungry for that kind of information. And now that I can turn it around and give it to somebody, I really, I'm grateful every time I go into like the park. That's cool. I saw the podcast. Stop. <laughs> God forbid someone say something nice, right? I do it for me. <laughs> it's all for me. Something else to keep in mind. It's going to get hot fast. Yeah, it's yeah. already hot. Well, that's going to be another discussion about how to beat the heat. But uh, because crowds and heat together. <laughs> because there's nothing things. better than sweaty strangers. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of the 80s. That is actually going to do it for our show this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. You're going to have to re-record the beginning.